Hello and welcome back to 9394, a music podcast. I'm Travis. I hope you're doing good. I appreciate you joining us today. For this episode, I was very happy to have Rob Leroy come on the show and talk about Dinosaur Jr. again. My second episode featuring the great Dinosaur Jr., one of my favorite bands from this era. Maybe not my favorite Dinosaur Jr. album, as you'll hear as he and I get into the album talking about it, but I do deeply love all things Dinosaur Jr., and this was a lot of fun having this conversation. So, check it out. How you doing? Good, man. What about you? Good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, finally. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for doing it. I usually start the show talking about how me and the guests know one another, if we know one another, but you and I don't know one another. We both know Dustin Lentz. So how do you know Dustin Lentz? Um, I've been playing a lot of music in the Detroit scene. He's booked a lot of shows for me. I've played some music with him. And it's been like a decade or something like that at this point. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much... What I would have guessed if I had to like write down in advance how yeah. you knew him, it would have been through like the local scene for sure. That's how I know him too. And he's always been a guy that makes connections happen, that kind of stuff. So I appreciate you responding to his cajoling to get you on the show. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking today about which album? We are talking about Without a Sound by Dinosaur Jr. album without a sound man this album was so big this band was so big in my life at this time do you remember how you got into this album yeah weirdly enough i was in jazz school in college got into them a little bit later okay and i bought a jazz master considering the name of it and i looked up you know popular people that use jazz masters turns out i've been listening to dinosaur jr my entire life without knowing about it (laughs) and i had to pull deep dive and here i am Okay. I got into this album in 94 because Dinosaur Jr. with Where You Been was one of the albums that I first got really, really into as a 13-year-old. So I was almost like not even ready for a follow-up so quickly because I was still, you know, at that age. I don't know. Maybe I was. I mean, a year is a long time when you're 13. At any rate, it came out and I have like a complicated kind of relationship with this album because when Where You Been came out, I went backwards and dug into all their stuff that they had released all the way back to the first album, Dinosaur. And 
then this album came out and you know so much had changed between 13 years old and 14 years old i was older and wiser and uh so much more world weary <laughs> i guess um, so i had kind of different feelings about this album than i did about where you been so let's just get straight into the your favorite so what is your favorite track on this album it's probably i don't think so <laughs> a lot different than a lot of Dinosaur Jr. tracks, but I, I think it helps the album flow a little bit more and kind of shows Jay's maturing songwriting, which sounds weird talking about Jay Maskus, but mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. This is a step forward for him, musically speaking. And that was one of the reasons I had a complicated relationship with this album. I got into this band when Mike Johnson was the brand new bass player and they had, you know, kicked out Lou Barlow or he had left or whatever. And I was fine with that. But then a year later, when Murph is not on this album, I was all angry about it. I don't know why. I don't know Murph. It bothered me as a kid. But this is a different kind of album for him because he's doing so much himself. And we got it right here in front of me, actually. And man, talk about bad design like i'm trying to look at the song titles yeah. on the back of the cassette and it's all so dark can't fucking read it at all but yeah i don't think so it's an interesting follow-up to feel the pain because feel the pain is as accessible a song as they probably ever wrote and then i don't think so feels more like an experiment it feels more like you say like a maturation of sorts like he's doing something that he hadn't really done before yeah i mean the way I see, I don't think so, is in my opinion, I think it's pretty accessible, but I mean, also I listen to some crazy ass music, but sure. you know, for the general public, I feel like that's almost an experiment on its own of Jay trying to meld, you know, a lot of the, you know, what did they say? Ear splitting country guitar, mm -hmm. but trying to make it more pop, but still kind of keeping his edge. I mean, you have a lot of artists that do that unsuccessfully, but you know, I think he really pulled it off in this album. Yeah. On the other hand, I also feel like some of the stuff that's happened in this album to me feels a lot like what he'd done before, which is partly why I had a problem with it as a kid. I felt like he had started to kind of repeat himself a little bit. Like when I listen to this album, even still, I hear I hear Thumb, which is like my favorite Dinosaur Jr. song, over and over again. Like he gets through some part and I'm ready to start singing, it never really is a good time, but it's a different song altogether, you know? So I think that maybe it was good for him to have Lou and Murph 
kind of weighing on him a little bit, but also this is a weird time in his life. I know he wrote this like right after his father died. He was like going through some shit. Yeah, that really got me into this album too. I mean, I wasn't super into it when I first started listening to it. Kind of like you, I mean, it didn't have the core band, you know, I was for some reason loyal to those two dudes. <laughs> yeah, and writing and producing it right around the time, you know, his dad passed. And, you know, I, I lost my pops pretty early too. And I went back through it and listened to that with it in mind. And it just, it's a total different experience just going in there knowing that's what the album is about. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know that until recently doing some reading up on it. And there's a lot of melancholy to this album. There's some slower jams to it. Like my favorite song of this album is one of the slowest jams that the dude ever did. Out of Hand is my favorite track. beautiful and it is very very sad and that's probably where it's coming from i mean people think about jay's you know electric guitar shred work but i mean his acoustic skills and writing i mean you know one of the songs man it's it's not in this album but it's several shades of why mm -hmm. and if anyone that's listening hasn't heard it go now take a look if you like any of jay's acoustic stuff because i mean I could just go and talk about you know Jay's acoustic albums all all day, but I mean yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, that, I feel like that was kind of like the stepping stone for a lot of his other stuff. Yeah, despite the fact that Murph and Lou are no longer in the band, it was kind of suggests some control issues. Also, in Out of Hand, he's letting Mike Johnson solo on acoustic in there, which is pretty cool. And yeah, it is cool to get him doing acoustic stuff. This is right around the time he released Martin and Me, which is epic. I love that album. So classic. How do you feel about this cover art? The uh, weird looking chipmunk squirrel dude? Does it make you unsettled? Is it cute? I've never really understood it. Yeah, it always looked to me like a, a rejected Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, then how about from the other side of things, is there a least favorite track or a weakest track? Something that sticks out in this album that maybe doesn't quite hold up for you? Um. 
I'm not a big grab it guy. I feel like it could have just been copy and pasted in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I don't like the track. It just, it didn't really get me the way some of the other ones did. Just kind of seemed like generic Dinosaur Jr. Which again, isn't too bad, but it's not really my thing. I think that's a great point. I really do love that song, but because I love Dinosaur Jr. So for it to kind of feel a little bit generic, and I think that's kind of what's going on with this album a little bit. Not generic, but just tried and true Dinosaur Jr. stuff. What else you got? You won't tell the truth until you're But Grab It to me is also funny because it's a really good example of that and Yeah Right. They're really good examples of the weird way that he names songs. Also, it seemed like the thing to do. Like, he'll have like a line that he'll repeat throughout a song the whole time. Then he'll have some other line that he just kind of throws off, like in Yeah Right. Like, Yeah Right. Just kind of like at the, yeah. under, the, under his breath, right? And then it's like, okay, I'm going to make that the name of the song. Despite the fact that you're hearing him say this other line or these other lyrics through the whole thing with Grab It and that kind of stuff, it's just like, it's like, it's like he closes his eyes and points at his lyric sheet and goes, okay, those two words. I feel like this track is like if You're Living All Over Me was recorded when Pro Tools existed. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I could see that a little bit. I mean, it's fuzzier, it's rougher, but it's also highly polished. Yeah. The whole album just seems so highly polished. And that's kind of what turned me off of it in comparison to other highly polished albums like Beyond. It, it still kept some of the character versus like, I feel like this album was almost recorded for MTV sometimes. I think you're really nailing it. I'm not sure I could have verbalized that until you just said it, but I think that was kind of the issue that I always had with it too. Even as a kid, like since I had gone back, I was listening to, you know, Bug and that kind of stuff. I was listening to all this really rough stuff. And then this comes in. I'm not an audio guy, so I'm not sure, but I looked on Wikipedia and I feel like it had it had like 10 or 11 assistant engineers or something. There's a lot of hands on here in terms of recording while there's very few people actually making the music. Yeah, the production of this album is pretty interesting. I've got a couple of friends that are audio engineers, and I'm producing my own album right now, actually, in my studio. Awesome. And they were kind of talking about that, too. It's like they made it to chart. Okay. Yeah, kind of, right? Like, they were aware of the success that they were coming off of with Where You Been. And that was the first major label album. And so he's probably got this, is it Geffen? Is it DGC? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, You know, they're behind them, kind of pushing them. Uh, Sire, they're on Sire Records. That kind of comes across, which brings me to my least favorite song on the album, which has always been my least favorite Dinosaur Jr. song, which is Feel the Pain. is not to say that it's the weakest song on the album necessarily, but it's the brown-eyed girl. It's the Hey Jude. It's the one that like, 
you hear all the time you're like oh, okay this one again yeah i mean it's um i'll tell you i have spotify with my wife and the algorithm mm-hmm. just fucking shoves that thing down my throat i feel like if you've ever listened to dinosaur jr in your entire life this is the only song you have to listen fucking hear and like it's cool you know it's fun i've covered it it's like their stairway to heaven almost you know like no stairway but you know the thing that really kind of disappoints me about the song especially listening to it back you know as an older guy and kind of knowing what he was going through at the time with his father passing i mean those lyrics are fucking powerful if you think about it in context yeah and if they just kind of keep it more within what jay would have really wanted to do it charted and it made a lot of money so i guess it did what they wanted it to do but i think that could have been a lot better song with the right person behind the mixing console and i think it also backs up your point about mtv because the video for this song was huge because it was a fun kind of goofy video i feel like it was spike jones it certainly had like a very appealing fun kind of thing going on with them golfing around the city and all that kind of stuff and it got a lot of airplay on mtv yeah. so as a kid as a 14 year old who's very concerned about posers you know never mind the fact that i myself had gotten this band a year before and had laughed at his voice <laughs> when i first heard it <laughs> i was judging people and i and now today it is a better song than i remember it being especially like towards the end like the outro is really good that's really strong but yeah there's something about the verses that just i just heard it too many times but you're right lyrically it's some of the strongest stuff and some of the more personal stuff he's done that is not based around feeling rejected by a girl which a lot of his stuff is bad yeah yeah i mean you know which is nuts because jay could just clean up if he wanted to you know i imagine (laughs) but yeah i mean it's like the most like cheerful and i mean there's some cool riffs and some leads but like it's like cheerful music about him taking on the emotional pain from his whole family about his like father dying and yeah. he's playing fucking golf about it i wonder if his dad was a golfer that'd be kind of cool if that was yeah i'd be curious to know that and then also like the numbness that comes with like the intense yeah. grieving process and all that kind of stuff it is a good song because again it's a dinosaur junior song which out of nowhere, I'm going to ask you now, what's your favorite Dinosaur Jr. album? You're Living All Over Me is probably my favorite. What really got me into them is Beyond. I'm uh, I'm a little bit younger. I'm in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And once I heard Beyond, it was, it was it was over. Like, I knew Dinosaur Jr. Like, I hung out with the older skate kids when I was a kid. And, like, mm-hmm. but, like, that immediate line into Almost Ready, done. Over. <laughs> Yeah, it is a great album and a great return to form because they had been done for so long. I remember when that came out being really excited about it. My favorite album is still Where You Been because that's the one that I got into and then yeah. probably Green Mind. But Farm, as far as new stuff, I would put Farm right up there with some of the best albums that they ever did because they did kind of get out of the rut, I feel like, a little bit around this time, which, again, I love the Mike Johnson years because that's when I got into them. But they got into a little bit of a rut of kind of... Mm, relying on tried and true songwriting that they, that they were used to. Yeah. What about, let's go back into some positives. What is the most underrated song in this album for you? Um, I like Get Out of This.
it doesn't necessarily to me sound like a lot of the songs in the album. Mm-hmm. I, I like a lot of the lyrical content, the melody. It's slightly different enough to keep it interesting while still being on a Dinosaur Jr. album. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's like slight tweaks. This album, you know, Jay's obviously known for his love of jazz masters. Mm-hmm. Starting on this album, I believe, or the album before, and continuing until now, he doesn't record with jazz masters in the studio. He only uses Telecasters and guitars with P90s. I did not know that. I'm an audio nerd. I, I do all the music stuff and you know all that stuff that doesn't really progress you in life, but you love it anyway. Hobbies. <laughs> you can hear that a little bit, especially in that track and this whole album, because it just sounds so much different. The production-wise as well, but also the equipment and production techniques they use. Mm. Instead of the old Jazz Master into Ram's Head Big Muff into 800 Marshall stacks, it was a lot more dialed in, you know, smaller amps, different types of effects, laying effects. You have 15 production assistants on the album or whatever. Yeah, you definitely have revealed yourself as a tech head. There's two kinds of musicians, right? There's like the people that feel it, which has always been me. I've never learned how to like read music or anything like that. And then there's people that are like, they know the ins and outs of like the whole audio recording process and all that kind of stuff and the gear. And that seems like, yeah, you said nerd. Yeah, which the weirdest part is that like I had to learn all of that stuff because I've always been someone that just kind of feels music. I mean, sight reading music in school was just I still can't do it. I just, there's no reason for me to do it. So I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like cursive. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, I'm so DIY with pretty much everything I do that if I'm going to do something, like I have to learn all of it. Mm. Like, I mean, I built a studio in my basement here. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had to just keep like asking people and wasting time at work, going online, <laughs> learning things. <laughs> That's how you do it, right? Try and fail and, and then learn from the failures. That's good. Hey. I'd have to say that my underrated song in this album is Mind Glow. very chill relaxed yeah. kind of song you know i had this on cassette and i think as a kid a lot of time i just kind of listened to side one and didn't necessarily get it all the way through it i always loved over your shoulder i remember that one sticking out to me but mind glow I, I kind of had forgotten about it had been quite a few years since i've listened to this album i listen to dinosaur jr pretty regularly but i mean they've got a ton of albums and this has not been my favorite album of theirs so it really had been a while so i was glad you chose it
some of the best Dinosaur Jr. songs by that band ever are on this album. And I do think Mind Glow is one of them. Yeah, it was a tough album to pick because I, mean, I kind of skip over it sometimes too. The thing that really blew me away, and I just found this out last week when I was kind of doing some more background info on the album, mm. Over Your Shoulder. It was used on a Japanese boxing reality show in February 2019, and it charted, I'm reading this right now because it sounds like I'm making this shit up because it's <laughs> insane. Over Your Shoulder charted at 18 on the Billboard Japan Hot 100 25 years after the album's release for ostensibly no reason other than it was on a reality boxing show in Japan. song and it's very slow and quiet you know it's not something you i can imagine people beating each other up to no you're not like yeah dude <laughs> so funny maybe it was like the outro song or something i don't know i had to look that up just to like verify that wikipedia was fucking with me because it's one of the most jay maskus things that could possibly ever happen <laughs> uh, have you ever got a chance to see him live oh yeah probably five six times at this point nice yeah, most of their tickets are super cheap, which is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, tickets are expensive these days, dude, I'll tell you. Yeah. And they play a lot. They tour yeah. a lot. Probably the coolest one I saw is I went to um, Riot Fest in Chicago, which usually has a real hit or miss lineup, but it was like Dinosaur Jr., Glassjaw, the original Misfits, Elvis Costello. Uh, nice. So I was like, fuck it, dude, I'm going to go. I know people in Chicago and shit. It was the 25th anniversary of You're Living All Over Me. They played it from beginning to end. Awesome. Dude, I was like front row, throwing shit at Jay Maskus. <laughs> he doesn't like that. One of the first times I ever saw them live, or one of the first bands I ever saw live was them. Like, Where Your Band came out and I got obsessed with them. I was like wearing purple and shit all the time, you know, yeah. 13. And then I went and saw him live, and Jay was curmudgeonly at best, mostly because he didn't like the fact that people kept throwing stuff at him, particularly a shoe that hit him in the head, which I wouldn't like either, but he was very grumpy the whole time. That's pretty fair, you know? like Yeah, he's entitled to not want things thrown at him. <laughs> I think the coolest part about that show, and I know it has nothing to do with the album that we're talking about, but I was never a huge fan of Pennywise, but they were playing on the stage, like, literally right next to him. So as Pennywise was wrapping up their set, Jay just started soloing at full volume along with them to their songs. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. That's like a mashup. Never would have guessed. When I saw them when they played with Primus, the dudes from Negative Approach came out on stage and played with them for a little bit, too. That was pretty sweet. He seems kind of collaborative, despite the fact that we're talking about an album in his career where he was almost just like, it's just me, it's just me and a little bit of Mike. 
as he's gotten older, he seems a lot more collaborative, especially lately. He does like these cruises and stuff where he like plays with Bob Mold and like whoever else and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they're like Dinosaur Jr. gigs, but they're doing more stuff with other people. Not that I've seen them. I can't, well, yeah. ho however inexpensive their shows are, I can't afford a cruise just to see Dinosaur Jr. But. <laughs> I mean, he seems happier these days. He does. In my opinion, he's finally getting a lot of the recognition that he deserves. I mean, you know, you can't go anywhere without tripping into a Jay Maskus signature something. Yeah, I think you make a good point. He's definitely kind of become, at this point, pretty well known. It also makes me wonder if he's more accepted into like the mainstream at this point, which he, I think he has been. Why do I never hear Dinosaur Jr. songs in movies i hear out of hand and i think to myself this is something that would work great as like the emotional climax to a movie a lot of his songs would just not even from just this album there's always this pathos that's like injected into his stuff that i think would work really well in cinema but i can hardly think of any time i mean i can think of like one or two movies where i've heard a dinosaur jr song and it's like in the background you know it's not like upfront kind of thing i wonder if that's by design i mean i don't hear it on any commercials or anything either not that i can remember i mean not a lot of commercial stuff has been used yeah maybe you're right he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that like wants to use you know feel the pain to sell reese's peanut butter or, or whatever but i do think he's got some movie connections i mean i well not necessarily connections i remember he was in the movie gas food lodging back in the day and i was like i watched the movie just because i heard that he was in it he has like one line and he's not a very good actor but yeah i don't know i don't know but it seems like he should be more accepted yeah i mean you know the coolest thing that i've seen in regards to just jay mascus in general is i used to give some guitar lessons and i'm pretty active in like communities for kids like starting to want to play music because i've been playing music for 20 years and i fucked up for 20 years <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> a lot of younger kids and you know teenagers now that i'm gonna yell at people to get off my lawn know who jay mascus is i can't tell you how many times i've seen people have that jay mascus squire jazz master the white one with the gold pick guard that's awesome everywhere dude it's an awesome guitar to start off with i mean I, I feel like i don't know really how but you know he's influencing a new generation of guitar players and maybe that's partly what's given him that kind of late career kick is that he's always been a virtuoso. He's always been ahead above the rest. You know, people talk about Billy Corgan and uh, layered guitar tracks on Smashing Pumpkin stuff. And then you listen to this album, and it's like, you want to hear a sonic wall. And it's not just like a dense wall of noise. It's this intricate, involved, complex riffs and all this kind of stuff going on and like the guitar talking to each other and like it's all him or a lot of it's him most of it's him you know so maybe that's kind of what's starting to happen is that uh new generations are being introduced probably by people like you particularly if they're very musically minded and not casually getting into a band but like i'm trying to like discover guitarists kind of attitude yeah, and it's cool to start seeing that again. I mean, you know, when you and I grew up, I mean, we didn't have the internet. We had to go find tapes or CDs in the clearance section to find cool new, you know, artists. Yeah. And it's awesome to see people go out and search for music again. Because, I mean, the internet is great because it makes that easier, but it also oversaturates you. Yeah. It's crazy. This kid down, you know, a couple blocks away from me, he was like, hey, man, do you have any old CDs I could have? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, here you go. Yeah, put them in your PlayStation or whatever you can use yeah. to play them. <laughs> I'm like, what are you even going to do with these, dude? <laughs> that was really funny. I had a, a thought that kind of popped up. I probably should have remembered this earlier, but, the, you know, one of the things that makes this album 
a little too polished and not my favorite Dinosaur Jr. album is it's really missing a lot of that Lou Barlow grindy bass playing it almost like a second guitar. <sighs> yeah, so, I mean, do you prefer the Barlow years or the Johnson years? They're just their own thing, really. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. Especially since Barlow left and came back, there's like two Barlow eras. Mike Johnson's a lot more of a straightforward bass player, right? It's a lot cleaner and clearer and supportive as opposed to like, you know, we're a three-piece and I'm going to stand out and do my own thing. He's doing a lot more of support, I think, for what Mascus is doing, which is maybe partly why Mascus liked him. Yeah, uh, and the bass doesn't really come through as far as production goes. For all of what's going on, I mean, you can hear it, but it's not thick. It doesn't like resonate through the tracks. Yeah, and that's what a good bass player should do, you know? I mean, liked about Lou is he almost kind of plays and approaches bass almost like Jay does with chords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, have like a chord and then he'll do like other stuff on top of it. So like Lou will have that bass note and then do like a chord so it sounds like there's a rhythm guitarist or something in the background. Mm-hmm. It was unique and it was cool. I think it would definitely be out of place on this album. It would have been cool to kind of hear what they would have done in this headspace together, but... I also think that, you know, Mike Johnson's backing vocals are really subtle. And then they have this woman come on. I don't know who she is, but her name's Talia Zedek or Zedeka. She does some pretty strong supporting backing vocals. And then I'm trying to imagine Lou in here, like screaming over Mind Glow. And this wouldn't really work, (laughs) which he learned how to restrain himself some as he's gotten older. It's not as much screaming and stuff, which I like screaming. I screamed in bands for years. I like screaming music. But I mean, I think that this stuff at this point in their career, it was for the best for Barlow to not be there and I think it was for the best for him to come back to and that helped him get clean too which I'm always a fan of people working on themselves I mean yeah Dinosaur Jr. is not a drug band I'm fairly confident that Jay has been straight edge this whole time you can correct me if I'm wrong I don't know he strikes me like is seems kind of like stoner rock a little bit to me but I couldn't imagine you know hard drugs yeah I know he was like for a while back then. I mean, I could see him like maybe cracking open a few cold ones and smoking a joint. I don't think Jay Maskus is railing lines of cocaine backstage before he goes on stage. I think you're right. Again, that might attribute to the staying power that he's had as a musician. He seems like he's going just fine. Yeah. He's not even skipping a beat. Lou left and did some music that's not really my favorite. I'm not a big full complosion guy. Sabado is okay. I like Sebado quite a bit, but uh, Folk Implosion... Well, I like Folk Implosion too, but I've never... Yeah, it's not Dinosaur Jr. Neither of those bands are, at least for me. I don't know how this popped up, but I got a mini Sebado record. And on the front of it is the Canadian flag with a pot leaf in it. And on the back is just bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. And <laughs> okay. The sign with the pot leaf, they're covering um, a Rush song, Limelight. And on the bubble side, they somehow have a recording of like 30 seconds from an episode of that guy just talking. It's one of the coolest things I own. That's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of albums, you say you're producing your own. You're working on your own. Tell us about it, please. Uh, Yeah, thanks, man. Um, We're a band called Dharma. We're four-piece. Band's been around since 2010. When I moved back from Grand Rapids in 2014, we started it here. Mm-hmm. all numbers we've got a couple you know demos out on, on spotify and everything like that but we're releasing our first full length probably in the next few months i'm doing all of it myself you know it's got all like the mixers and tape machines i'm kind of trying to take like a analog approach to it very cool we've got a music video out on youtube 
It's our uh, single Asparde. And is that Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A? Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. Well, congratulations on that, man. That sounds like it's been a labor of love and uh, you're making it happen. That's exciting. Yeah. The hardest thing is mixing and producing, not like a guitar player. Mm-hmm. So all the other instruments in and I'm trying not to be a perfectionist about it. Just kind of let it flow. But I swear to God, if I have to listen to another snare drum for five hours. Seems like a tedious task. Like I took four months off to just completely reset my ears. You know, I'm finally coming back in and just finishing it on up. So should be out soon. All right. We'll keep an ear out for that. So I always end my shows talking about some other random question that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And I thought for this episode, I would discuss with you beverages that are specific to the 1990s that you can no longer get. And you tell me, I don't know, give me your top three. I'm going to give you a list of a few beverages from back in the day, stuff that's discontinued, like Surge in 1997. Remember Surge? It was like Mountain Dew for, how can I put this? Trashier people? I guess. Uh, that's an option. There was Orbits from 1996. That was that weird kind of like water, but had like floating colored. Remember that? Weird balls of color in there. Real gross. Okay. And you're a little bit younger than me, so you might not remember all of these. Uh, Crystal Pepsi. I'm sure you're aware of Crystal Pepsi. That was 1992, but they did bring that back. Did you ever get a chance to try that trash? Yep. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. It's like (laughs) drinking corn syrup. Yeah. Not good. They fucked that up. <laughs> it did. <laughs> uh, Squeeze-Its. Remember Squeeze-Its? They were around in 1985, but they were big in the 90s. They were like those plastic bottles that look like cola bottles, but they are plastic. And then you'd literally squeeze them and then there'd be like fruit juice inside. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Big for kids. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had like that weird kind of like top. You had like twirl, like twist the top to get it open. Yeah. Those things were like fun and tasted who knows? I don't know, but yeah, I was no a kid. <laughs> they looked cool and they were fun, so that's what really mattered. <laughs> Along the same lines was Ecto Cooler. Did you ever get high C Ecto Cooler in your life? I never had one. I saw them though. You've heard of it. It's kind of like a yeah. legendary drink, right? And then Jolt Cola. And these are from the 80s, but they're around the 90s. Jolt Cola was another one. Its big claim to fame was that it was like, I don't know, 5,000 milligrams of caffeine or something crazy like that. It was like heart attack in a bottle. We used to get it in like... You know, when you're 12 or 13 before you're drinking alcohol, but your friends stay over, so we would get Jolt Cola, so we'd stay up all night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Josta from 1995 was a, I think it was Pepsi that made it. It had this weird panther on it, and it was like this weird, it was made with Guaranara, whatever the fuck that is. And all I know is that, like, I've seen that panther tattooed on people like for the rest of my life since i don't know why <laughs> i swear to god it's just a panther and then coke 2 was in 1990 so if you had to try one of these again you're forced to not like you get to you have to drink one of these beverages which one are you going to go with surge orbits crystal pepsi jolt cola ecto cooler squeeze it or just well i was never allowed to get Josta because it was too uh I think my mom thought I would die if I drank it. She's probably right. (laughs) I would definitely have to give that one a go. Okay. You know, I remember it actually not being that bad. It was almost like a fruity cola, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. There's probably a reason it's not around anymore, but it wasn't terrible. You know, I wouldn't get the logo tattooed on me. No. 
it's made with real panther, so. <laughs> that is dangerous. You got to be careful with that. <laughs> Rob, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I've had fun talking with you. I hope you come back if you want to. You're very welcome to. Yeah, of course, man. That'd be great. Definitely. Thanks for coming on, man. It means a lot to me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Let me know when you uh, need someone to talk about an album for an hour. I'm always down. (laughs) Appreciate it. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good talking with you. See you, man. big thank you to Rob Leroy for coming on the show. His love for Dinosaur Jr. is palpable. His appreciation is seemingly more grounded in the technique of what Mascus is doing, whereas some of us just kind of let the noise wash over us, <laughs> which is kind of how I roll. Ordinarily at this point in the show is where I try and get people to come on and talk about another album. Instead, I'm going to plug his band, Dharma. Here they are. see them soon actually if uh things go according to plan friend of the show and friend of me and rob dustin lintz is going to start hosting a local emo night here in the detroit area and rob's band dharma is going to play the first one on dustin's birthday soon so i'll be checking that out so if you're in the area check out dharma check out what dustin lintz is doing at i don't know somewhere in ferndale So if you're a regular listener and are up for it, you're always welcome on the show, or maybe you know someone who would be a good fit for the show, let them know about the show. Maybe that'd be cool. I do ask that maybe you could rate the show, review the show. It's actually been a long time since I've had any of those, and uh, just clicking a button would be really appreciated on your Spotify feed or Apple podcast feed or wherever it is that you do. Writing a review is a lot to ask, I understand, but if you could do that, that would be great too. And that's it. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Dinosaur Jr., it is a beautiful album. It's always going to be a part of me. So I'm stuck with it whether I like it or not. But luckily I do. Very much. And it was good to dig back into it and spend time with it. And it was good to spend time with you. So thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other.
9394, a music podcast with Travis Roy, is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized. Please don't sue.